How many of you have ever had to learn a lesson the hard way? How many know what that means? Learning the lesson the hard way means I had to learn by experience as opposed to teaching, right? We had to go through it to learn it. And a lot of us, like, like me, <laughs> are hard-headed, and sometimes I learn a lot easier by experience than teaching. If I would have just learned by teaching. But a lot of us have uh, learned the hard way. And in, in my 65 years of living, in my 44 years of marriage, my wife and I have learned a lot of lessons. And many of them we've learned the hard way. And, uh, you know, most of the hard lessons in our lives come because we did what we thought was right at the time. How many will agree with me? I will promise you my wife and I have never made a decision that we thought was wrong. Right? You know, you just don't make decisions if you think it's wrong. But many decisions were made based on, many decisions we made were based on what we believe and what we thought were right. And, and what, what it was is that we were doing what was right in our own eyes. How many ever made decisions? You do what you think and, and believe is right in your own eyes. But I've learned something. Here's one of the big lessons. This is one of the big rock lessons. What I've learned is there's a difference between doing what I believe is right, what is right in my own eyes, and doing what's right in God's eyes. Uh, did you hear me? There's a big difference between doing what is right in my eyes and doing what's right in God's eyes. The Bible is filled with stories, filled with stories about people doing what was right in their own eyes, and in most cases, what you see in those stories is those people are falling away or have, fall, have fallen away from God, and they're doing what's right in their own eyes. Proverbs 14.12, Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. There is a way that seems right to man. In other words, I see things you know, as, as in my own eyes, but he says, but it ends in the way of death. Now, I want you to stop this morning and think about the decisions you've made, the choices you've made over your life, and think about some of those. Think about maybe decisions you're making this week, or maybe decisions or choices you made last week. Now, most of us as believers, most of us will stop and we'll pray about them. We'll pray about those decisions. We'll pray about those choices and what we believe is right. And we think, hey, that's good. I can make the decision because I prayed about it. You see, most people, and which we all should do, most people, they gather information about the decision. Maybe they get estimates or maybe they seek counsel. Maybe they ask advice from others, and then they make the best choice. And as believers, we stop and we say, I've gathered all this information. I've gotten the estimates. I've gotten counsel, and, and I've prayed about it. So, hey, I'm good to make that decision. But are you really doing, in that case, what's right in your own eyes? Are you doing what's right in God's eyes? That's the question I want to ask you. So how many of you would ever go to a doctor Walk in, Pastor Tim mentioned this a couple weeks ago. How many of you would go to a doctor 
sit down in the doctor's office, tell them everything that's going on, things that you need to talk with them about, and then immediately get up and walk out. <laughs> no, you want to, you, you stop and you listen to what the doctor says and what the doctor thinks you should do. But most of us in our prayer time, that's what we do with God. We come in with our list. We tell God what's going on, you know, what we, we believe he can do to fix it. And we don't sit and wait to hear what God has to say. And I believe that's the way that most of us make decisions. As believers, we should make informed decisions. We should do our research and we should seek counsel. The Bible says that there's safety in the multitude of counsel. So that's a good thing. And we should commit it to prayer. We should commit every decision, everything we do, we should commit it to prayer. But we need to learn how to wait on God. Amen. We need to learn patience and waiting to hear God. I will tell you that in most cases people say that word wait, you know, why? this is a fast, I got to make this decision. And God says wait. And most cases God has already gone before you. He's already made that decision. He just needs to wait until you seek him to open your eyes so that you know what the decision is, what's right in God's eyes. You see, but sometimes God's want, God wants you to wait. He wants to reveal things to you. And so, so we have to wait. See, this, I believe, right, and, and I believe that in this day and age, there are more decisions and more choices we have to make every day. And as believers, we need to learn how to make that. We need to learn how to function in that environment. I want you, if you would, to, if you, if you have your, your Bibles with you, I want you to, to open your Bible to the book of Romans. But if you want to follow our message notes, you can go to your YouVersion app. Uh, in your phone or in your device, and under version, you just click, go to version, click down at the bottom where it says more, and they'll come up and it'll say events, click there, and you can get all of our notes, the scriptures that I'm going to use, you can get all that uh, this morning, save it, take it home with you, you can even make notes in it, amen? amen? So we're continuing today in this series that we started a couple weeks ago called The Renewed Mind, and the goal of this series of the renewed mind is to know what it looks like. What does this renewed mind look like? What, why do we need a renewed mind? And here's the, the one thing that we have to understand. How does the renewed mind function in our life, in everyday life? How do we use this? When I say make decisions, I can't tell you. Little, little small decisions sometimes have big consequences, and you think, well, that's just a little decision, but it could be a big consequence. We need to learn how the renewed mind functions in everyday life. Are you, are you with me? Okay, so in this series, The Renewed Mind, it, the foundational scripture is Romans 12, 2. And it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Okay? So there are two choices right here. You can be conformed to this world. You can live your life conformed to this world. Or you can be conformed to God's world or God's ways. Or what I call, what I'm calling this morning, the way of the kingdom. How many of you know there's a way of the world? And there's a way of the kingdom of God. Those are two choices we make. The title of this message is the way of the kingdom. And that's what I want you to see this morning about 
the, the one choice that the Bible teaches, the one choice God wants us to follow, and that's the way of the kingdom. And what uh, Romans 12, 2 is telling us here is that we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, see, what we have to, every one of us have to understand, whether we've been serving God 50 years or we're a new Christian or whether we're away from God, we all have to understand all of us have been born into sin. Every one of us were sinners and hopefully we're saved by grace. We are saved by grace, but hopefully you've received that and you're saved by grace. But all of us were born into sin. That's just life. Every child is born into sin. So we were, we were born with a mind that is already pre-conformed to the world. Okay? I mean, think about a little baby. You know, that little baby is feed me. You know, it's all about me, right? Now, we love that about little babies. But the problem is as you get older and you're 30 years old and you're still all about me, it's because you're, you're, it, you're, you're still following and conformed to the ways of the world. Amen? Amen? What we all need is to be transformed by this renewing of our minds. And last week, Pastor Tim went to Romans 8. He taught out of Romans 8, 1 through 8. We're going to go back into that because I believe there's some things in that passage that we all need needs to, to, we need to know, we need to understand, we need to put it to practice. I'm going to present it in a little different way today, and I want you to see some additional things within that scripture. It's kind of like, let's go back into that passage and mine it until we get everything out of it. Amen? Amen. And so Romans 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, begins this way. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the, he says here there's two ways of life. There's, there's a life that's according to the flesh or the ways of the world. There's a life that's according to the Spirit or the ways of the kingdom. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit has freed me from this law of sin and death. Verse 3, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son, say Jesus, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now I want you to know, he, he condemned sin in the flesh. He did not condemn people, he condemned sin in the flesh. Are you with me? Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity. It means it's, it's opposed or hostile against God. Because the carnal mind is opposed and hostile against God. For it is not subject to the law of the God or the law of the Spirit, nor indeed can it be. That's why our, nines, our minds need to be renewed. Because the mind set on the flesh is enemy is enmity with God. It's hostile. 
It, it's not subject to the law of the Spirit, and that's why our minds have to be renewed. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Father, we ask you, Lord, today for every one of us, Lord, to, that we would open our hearts this morning to hear and to receive what you have for us. And Lord, that through this, Lord, that we would hear your word, we would hear your voice, and our lives would be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So why is it that those who live by the flesh cannot please God? Why is that? Why does he say that here? Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that, or so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Why must you be transformed by the renewing of your mind in order to please God? Why? Because you cannot please God until you know his will and until you live out his will in your life. Are you hearing me, church? That's a key to this whole thing. We have to understand, if you want to please God, your mind has to be transformed. You, you, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove God's will in your life. It's one thing to think about God's will, to know his will, but your life is proof of his will. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to come back to a message specifically dealing with that. But how do you please God? By doing his will. How do you please God? People say, how do I please God? By doing God's will. Not according to my own eyes or my will. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. Last week we presented uh, to you, we presented two paths of life that we see here in, in, in Romans 8, 5 through 8. Life in the flesh, life in the spirit. Okay? Those are two paths of life. In these, in these uh, four verses, Romans 8, 5 through, four, 5 through 8, in these four verses, we see a pattern. And what I want to show you this morning is this pattern of Scripture uh, that shows these two, these two choices, if you will, or these, these two ways of life, two paths of life. How many remember the story of the Garden of Eden? Remember in the garden there were... Bible, the Bible tells us there were two trees. Well, there were multiple trees, but there were two trees that were mentioned in, in the Bible, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There were two choices presented to Adam and Eve. One was the way of life. One was the way of death. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says this. It says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses, now choose life. God tells you the test, and he tells you the answer. It comes, brings us back to Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is in the way of death. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. Two choices. The first choice that we see here in this, what I'm calling the way of the kingdom, the first thing we have to understand is that is is that this pattern that we see in this scripture gives us choices that we make. Every day you're faced with choices. Every decision is choices. Every part of life is choices. Your choices is just as the choice in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Do I choose the way of, of death that may seem right in my own eyes? The Bible says that that tree was pleasing to her eyes, right? 
And later it was pleasing to her husband's eyes. And so they made the choice what was good in their own eyes. But there's the other tree, the tree of life. So verse 5 here in Romans 8 says, For those who live according to the flesh, this is the choice we make every day, every decision. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds. That set means make a choice. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So the first, the first thing we have to understand in the way of the kingdom and choosing this is we need to learn how to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, not on the things of the flesh. Set our minds on what, what is pleasing in God's eyes. What does God want for my life as opposed to what is pleasing in my life or what would please me or make me happy in my life. Amen. You see, the truth is, the truth of the matter is that every one of us become like the things that occupy our minds. When you've set your mind on something, you will become what you set your mind on. Your life will be transformed into that life, what you set, what, you're trans, what, you're, what you, you focus on in life. If you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, and decide, I'm going to set my mind on the things of God. I'm going to set my mind on his word. I'm going to set my mind on, on his presence. I'm going to set my mind on, on, on what God speaks to me. I'm going to set my mind on the things of God. We will become what we set our minds on. David Wilkerson, many of you may remember David Wilkerson. And David Wilkerson said, everyone who feeds his mind and soul with spiritual things have their have fixed their eyes on what is pure and holy they keep their gaze on Christ the holy spirit is at work in these saints continually changing their character in the image of Christ these believers will be ready for the hard explosive sufferings to come that doesn't, that sounds really tough hard explosive but i want to tell you the bible tells us in the last days, times are going to get tough. Things are not going to be very good in the last days. We have to be ready. How are we ready? Set our minds on the things of the Spirit now. Be transformed into the image of Christ now. Decide every day, every decision. I'm going to do what's right in the eyes of God. So we make that choice. We make that choice. Are we choosing to live by the flesh? In this decision, whatever it may be. Lord, is this, am I living by the flesh? Is this, am I doing this because I want to? Because it makes me happy or pleases me? Or am I doing this because this is your will for my life? And this is what you've called me and spoken to me to do. Do you see the difference, church? That's a pattern we see. First is the choice. The second pattern we see is the consequences of the choices we make. How many know that every decision, every choice we make has consequences? Some of them are, are good some of them are not so good, right? We all live out the consequences of the choices we've made in our lives. And verse 6 here in Romans 8 says, For to be carnally minded, which is a mindset on the flesh, to be carnally minded is the mindset on the flesh, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, spiritually minded means a mindset on the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but this, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So there are consequences of these choices, of the choices we make every day. Do we make them with a mindset on the flesh or do we make them with a mindset on the things of God in the spirit? 
See, if we, make, if we set our minds on the flesh, the consequences, he says here, the word says, is death. You set your mind on the things of the flesh and do what you think is right in your own eyes, he says it ends in death. If we set our minds on the spirit, the consequence is always life and peace. If your focus in life is always on the spirit of God, it's always on the things of God, he says that it's life and peace. How many want life and peace? How many want peace? Set your mind on the things of the spirit. Amen? So the, 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 the first pattern is the choices we have. The second pattern we see in Romans 8 is the consequences. The third pattern we see is the position the choices we make and the consequences put us in. I'm going to say that again so you understand. The third pattern that we see is the position, the choices we make and the consequences because the choices we make and those consequences that come from those choices will put us in a position. And I want you to see that in verse 7 of Romans 8. It says, because the carnal mind, which is the mindset on the flesh, is enmity are opposed or hostile against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor is indeed can it be. A mindset on the flesh puts you in a position of being an enemy of God. The mindset on the flesh puts you in a position of being opposed to God's will, opposed to God's plan. That's what a mindset on the flesh will do. The mindset on the spirit, therefore, and hear this, church, this is really important in this message. The mindset on the spirit, therefore, puts you in a position to be in agreement with God. You need to grasp that. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, he says, if, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, most people think, most believers think, okay, I just need to find somebody to agree in prayer with me. Now, we call this the power of agreement, okay? But most of us think that that means I just need one other person to be in agreement with me and God will answer that prayer. And that's not really what it's saying at all. The first key to this passage, what Jesus is saying, is we have to be in agreement with God. We have to be living in agreement with his plan, his will, his purposes. We have to have a mind that's set on his things. Why? Because if my mind is set on the flesh and I come into agreement with somebody else's mind set on the flesh, we can ask for things, but God ain't going to give it to us. Are you hearing me, church? The mind set on the spirit puts you in a place of agreement with God. And if we are in agreement with God and we go to somebody that is in agreement with God and we ask, he says, that it will be done. Why will it be done? Because I'm in agreement with God. I'm living in, uh, out his will, his purpose. I'm making decisions and choices based on what's good through God's eyes, not my own eyes. I go to somebody else to agree with me who is living in God's will, who's making, living by the Spirit, making sure that the, the, their decisions are based on what is good in God's eyes, not their eyes. And we come into agreement together, and we together come into agreement with God. Jesus promises that it will be done for them. The key is not what is good in your eyes, what's good in what is God's eyes. Agreement puts us in a position to have our prayers answered. Did you hear that? 
You want your prayers answered, it puts us in. But I'm going to tell you, every one of us have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind before we will ever come to a place of being in agreement with God and that we can allow this, this man or person of flesh with my things that used to be set on the flesh to, be, to die away so that my complete total desires in life are what he wants for me. And he says, in that case, I become so useful to God because God wants to do something here. Let's say God wants to, to touch a person's life or he wants to be a blessing to this person. And I'm in agreement with God. God's plan is for me to be a blessing. I go to somebody else and I want to be a blessing to this person. We pray and agree. Now we, God can use us to be a blessing. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? Agreement with God is living in his will, doing his will. When we are living his will, when our eyes are fixed on the things of the Spirit, we are in agreement with God, and he says, you can ask what you want. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done. How many know that's a promise? It comes from the word of God. It's just like what Jesus said, that if you agree with, with somebody, it shall be done. The key to both of those is we got to be, our lives have to be in agreement with God. Are you hearing me? That's the third pattern. The fourth pattern we see here is the result of our choices. How many know that we make choices, there are consequences, we find ourselves in the position that those choices and consequences put us in, and there is a result. There's an end of that. Verse 8 says, So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The result of making the choice to be in the flesh, to live according to the flesh, brings the consequences, which the Bible says is death, which puts you in a position of opposition to God, and it says that it brings you to the place that you can't please God. If you live according to the, what is right in your own eyes all the time, you cannot please God. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you, you, you worship or pray, how, no matter how hard you do all those things, how much you read the Bible, unless you are transformed by the renewing of your mind and unless you begin to change and see things according to the way God wants to see them, not according to your ple pleasures and desires, but according to what pleases God, that's how we come to the place of pleasing God. At the end of the day, I hope and I believe that every one of us want to please God. Amen. At the end, of, there's nothing that matters more than us pleasing God. If you want to please God, you got to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. If you want to please God, you have to live in the Spirit is what this is telling us. Now the Bible, and I'm going to close talking a little bit about Abraham, the Bible tells us that Abraham was a friend of God. Why? Because he pleased God. Okay? The Bible says that he believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Why? Because Abraham set his mind on the things of God, okay? He obeyed God, and he did what God told him to do. And, and Abraham, if you will, chose the way of the kingdom. Abraham wasn't perfect. God doesn't expect any of us to be. You know, Abraham lied about his wife like twice. You know, she's my sister. He's 
no, she's your wife. No, he lied. You know that, that Abraham obeyed Sarah. He did the same thing Adam did in the garden. He put his wife before he put God, made a decision based on that, and ended up create, taking matters into his own hand and, and creating a child that was not God's plan. He made mistakes, but he pleased God because his mind was set on the things of God. He pleased God. So I want to share, I'm going to close with this, and worship team can go ahead and start coming back up, but I'm going to give you out of uh, Genesis, out of Genesis 13, 14, and 15. I'm not going to read all that. I'm going to tell you a story, but if you want to go back and read it, it's a really good story to see these two choices are these two ways of life and to be able to see the impact of the way of the king of living according to the way of the kingdom. I'm calling this the tale of two men, which is Abraham and Lot. How many remember Lot? Lot was Abraham's nephew, okay? The choices they made in Genesis 13, it says that God blessed both Abraham and Lot. He blessed them to the point that the land could not even support all that, they, that God had blessed them with. And so Abraham tells Lot, I want you to look over the land and choose, choose which way you want to, which way, which land you want to take. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Now look in, in Genesis 13, 10, listen to what it says. Lot lifted his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan and it was well watered everywhere. He lifted his eyes. Genesis 13, 14 and 15 says, And the Lord said to Abram, that was his name before God changed it to Abraham. He, lift, he said to Abram, Lift up your eyes and look from this place where you are for all the land which you see. Listen to this. I give it to you and your descendants forever. See, Lot chose what was good in his eyes. Abraham chose what God spoke to him, what God gave him. Do you see the difference in the choice that was made? Now, the consequences. Lot and his family were taken captives. Lot went to that direction. He lived, went, made the choice of what was good in his eyes. Lot and his family were taken captive by the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And because he was taken, later he came to live there with his family. The Bible says that Abraham went to live in the promised land, the land of promise. Abraham, because the consequences was the land of promise for Abraham. For Lot, the consequence was he went to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. The position this put them in. Okay, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember how God rained down fire and brimstone and destroyed the city, right? The Bible says that Lot escaped to the mountains with his two daughters. Remember his wife turned back and she became a pillar of salt. Remember that? And he had his two daughters. It says they escaped to the mountains. The two daughters decided they wanted children and they tricked their father into sleeping with them. Out of that, those two events, they had two children. Moab, the father of the Moabites, and Ben-Ami, the father of the Ammonites. The Moabites, the Ammonites, became an enemy of Israel, opposed to God. 
You see the, the, the position this has put them in. Abraham, it says, believed in God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He became the father of many nations, the father of faith. The position that put, that put Lot in, his choices, his consequence, the position was to be opposed to God. The position it put Abraham was to be the father of faith. The result, Lot became a curse to Israel. The Bible says that through Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed because the choices, the consequences of those choices, the position it put them in, and at the end of the story, the position and the result of their lives. Lot chose the way of the flesh, what seemed good in his eyes. Abraham chose the way of the spirit, the way of the kingdom. See, church, every one of us were born into sin. Every one of us were born conformed to this world, so all of us must be transformed by the renewing of the mind. How do we do it? How do we, how do we live a life that becomes transformed by the renewing of the mind. How do we live this life? How do we go about this? Every day, every choice, realize that choice is living by the flesh or living by the Spirit. Every day, every choice, choose to live by the Spirit. Am I going to live by the flesh or am I going to live by the Spirit? It's a choice we make every single day, every position that we're in. That's the choice we make. Deuteronomy, again, 30, 19, it says, I call heaven and earth to witness today against you that I have set before you. Remember, set means choice. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose life that both you and your descendants, think about Abraham, think about Lot, that you and, descend, and your descendants may live. Listen to verse 20. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. Hallelujah. Right there is how you make those choices that leads to the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is right there, that you may love the Lord your God more than you love yourself that you may obey his voice over any other voice, that you may cling to him and pursue him because he is your life. He's everything. He's not what we do on Sunday. He's not just part of our life. It's not just I'm a Christian. No, it's God is my life. And he is the length of our days. We're going to share communion together, so find your communion set. Go ahead and open that so you're ready. In 1 Corinthians 11.28, it gives the, it shares with us the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. But in verse 28, he says this, let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I want you to close your eyes right now. This morning, sitting here, every one of us, examine your heart. 
This passage is not about fear. This passage is not about condemnation because remember there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This passage, let a man examine himself is because, you know, we stop. When it comes to the body and blood of our Lord, we stop and we have a choice. The choice is choices to live for him and have a brand new life. I become a new creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus because of his broken body and his shed blood, because that he overcame death and sin in the grave. So this morning, examine yourself. Stop and say, am I living more of my life by the flesh? God, I pray, forgive me. God, I come to you today. Forgive me, Lord. I will choose you, God. I choose to live by the Spirit. Examine your heart today and decide. I choose from this day forward to live by the Spirit of God. Let's eat the bread. It is the blood of Jesus. The Bible teaches us that washes away all of our sins that cleanse us from our past. Every area of that you may have any shame or condemnation, that's only the voice of the enemy in your life. When we receive of his cup, just remember, the Bible says, do this in remembrance. Remember, his blood washed away all those sins. He washed away all those choices. He washed away all of those problems and issues that have that come from your choices. He's just, he washes you, he makes you clean, he makes you a brand new person. Now you are equipped to live by the Spirit the rest of your life. Let's partake of the cup. Father, today I pray, Lord, over every person here that today will be a day of decision, a day of contemplation, that we will no longer live by the things of the flesh, we'll live by the Spirit. That from this day forward, that every one of us will decide within our own hearts, today's the day that I choose in every decision from this day forward to live according to God's will, God's purpose, God's plan, according to what is good in God's eyes no longer what is good in my own. So would you just stand with me this morning? So Father, I pray, Lord, over every person here, Lord, today. Holy Spirit, I pray that, that you would touch every person in this way, Lord. You would continue to open their hearts to you. Lord, that as they go through their week, their hearts would be open in your presence to your voice, your way. And Lord, that every one of us would see and know what is your will for our life that we could walk therein. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, today for this. We pray, Lord, that you would seal what you have already taught us and spoken to. Seal it in the Holy Spirit this morning that our lives would be forever changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, come on, church.